culture. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Everyone. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Everyone. It's the Pop My Culture Podcast with your hosts, Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland. Hey everyone, welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. And I'm Big Bird. Uh, it's two weeks in a row you've tried to pull the wool over I my know. eyes. No, I really am Big Bird. Really? Yeah. Oh. Fresher than ever. That's the theme of this week's podcast. Fresher than ever, brought to you by Big Bird. And that's Vanessa Ragland. Oh, it is. <laughs> Got me again, Cole. I sure did. Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for coming uh, to listen to this here show. Yeah, thank you for coming. Yeah. We've cleaned it up for you. <laughs> There's fresh towels in the bathroom. We set a space at the table for you. Go grab some chow. Grub <laughs> down on the gravy. Uh, before we bring on our awesome guest, and mm-hmm. this guy... Is so awesome. He's worked with everyone, and we'll talk about that. Yeah, I think it might be... Our most famous guest, arguably. Arguably, yeah. I'd love to argue about it. We should argue about it okay. forever. You're stupid, Cole. You're stupider. <laughs> okay, you win. Uh, so before that happens, uh, a yeah. little bit of housekeeping stuff. Uh, we made some videos. Yeah, they're great. Well, we made one that's out there yeah. right now. Uh, and they're called Culture Pops. Uh, mm-hmm. Vanessa and I host them. We made them for ChinaShopMag.com. Dot com. They are a cool like arts and fashion and nightlife blog that's uh, actually owned by Red Bull. Yep. And uh, they have all sorts of cool features on their site. It's ChinaShopMag.com. And it's up there. It's called Culture Pops. It's episode one. You should watch it and comment or give it likes. I tried to like it on my phone, and I'm, I'm the person that voted us the lowest because yeah. I have big, clumsy fingers. So, so she ruined the average. Um, so, yeah, check it out. It's, uh, it's, it's cool. It takes place at the Roxy, which is yep. a cool L.A. venue. We uh, interviewed Nick Adler, who's the uh, owner the of the owner Roxy. Roxy. We uh, check in with Deanna Russo. Woo! Podcast favorite. That's right. There's some question on the street stuff. And yeah. some other good times. And we so. have another episode dropping July 1st. Yeah. So, um, yeah, please check that out. We also link to it on our blog and Facebook, so you should be able to find it. Uh, no problemo. That's right. Uh, also, uh, if you like the show, please uh, review it on iTunes. It yeah. helps us to get featured and stuff and brings more ears to the podcast. Mm. So, But just if you like the, the show. The ears come marching in. If you don't like the show, um, go have a party. That's right. But, and at that party, do not listen to the show. Because it would ruin your buzz if you don't like it. It would ruin, really ruin your party. Man. It would not be a good time. Don't ruin my buzz, yo. Mom, uh, buzz. <laughs> Fresher than ever. Oh. oh, boy. We have a catchphrase this episode, evidently. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to show it to our guests. <laughs> oh, he can't wait to hear it. Uh, also, uh, we're completely listener-supported yeah. at this point. So uh, if you'd like to donate, you can go to our website, popmyculturepodcast.com. Yeah. There's a donate button there. Click it, and uh, every little bit helps. And we yes. have some people to thank who have donated and... Uh, Lovely people. We're very excited that they did so. So first off, we'd love to thank Matt. Matt. There's someone special here for you, Matt. Someone really special. Hello. <laughs> Matty, if I can call you that. <laughs> Let's be clear. You give in a world of takers, and you see what happens. It comes back to you. Tenfold most times, sometimes 11. <laughs> But it's an exciting time for everyone here that you've given so well, Matthew. Again, (laughs) if I can call you that. You can. I think you can. So thanks, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Chris Walken took time out of his day and and breeding obscenian cats to come down here. Yeah. 
And uh, thank you, Matt. Also, Sean. Oh, Sean. Good old Sean. Sean, there's something really delicious in store for you. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. <laughs> Sean, what a privilege to meet another. <laughs> you might not check. You've given, you've proved Scotch wrong. <laughs> Tighter than Jews we are. That's all I got. <laughs> and finally, and finally Pat. Pat. Genderless, loveless Pat. <laughs> Just kidding, Pat. Sorry, that was really insulting. Wow. <laughs> it was probably given for the last time. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. We're going to go way, way beyond uh, the norm, the beaten path, as it were, to thank Pat. Because she, she he seems like a very special individual who, um, again, selflessly has given... <laughs> Um, the amount that Pat gave is unimportant. What does matter is that the effort was made, and I, for one, say yay. Yay on you, Pat. Trick. Sha. Sha. Oscar winner, Alan Arkin, everybody. Thank you. And now it's time to bring out our guest. Our guest. Uh, you Alan, get out of here. <laughs> Alan Arkin just lingers. All right. Flames. <laughs> Which one of these doors? Anyone. Just <laughs> go in one of them and stay behind it. Uh, our guest today, uh, he's an accomplished stand-up comic. He's an amazing actor. Mm. He is a chat show host. On... Chatter extraordinaire. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Pollack is oh, here. Thank you. Thank you. Please be seated. Uh, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And you play poker. <laughs> so unnecessary to stand. What don't yes, you? Yes, yes, I do. I uh, I enjoyed some poker last night as a matter, really? of, matter of Really? Did it enjoy fact. you? Mm, it did, yeah. Did you win? I um, I win about, uh, I hate to be a braggart. Go, but, um, go. That's what this yeah, is you know, all about. I, I, I do win a lot more than I lose. I, it's a fact. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, every now and then, I'll have a bleed-out. And last night was a bleed-out. But fortunately, <laughs> it's a, it was a very low-stakes game, like an absurdly low-stakes game. So if you're going to pick a night to lose consistently... Last night was the night? Last night was perfectly Oh, tired. good job! Oh, yeah, because I, I started hosting my own home game. Ooh! I've been playing poker since, oh God, I was a teenager. And uh, which is easily well back when they had um, wagon wheels. Oh, I've heard <laughs> yeah, of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when the word engine was acceptable. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so I, but I've never had a home game. I played in other people's games for forty years, you know. And 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 uh, we got this new house in the Mar Vista area. I'd tell you the exact address, but it would be weird. Okay. Yes, yeah. you want to challenge your stalker. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, use your head. You do a little research. And a little backbone. <laughs> right? Get some uh, gumption. Uh-huh. So uh, I started hosting. It was the, one of the dreams. I said, all right, I have to have a, a big-ass uh, barbecue in the back, and then I also have to have a poker table, table built. Oh, so I had a, po- a custom table built. Um, and it fits uh, right over the dining table. Like, Ooh, like, nice. Like they said, give us your, the measurements of the dining table and we can build it to spec. Ooh. And I thought... Specifications. Well, sure, sure. Yeah. For some of your... Uh, we have stupid listeners. Stupid. I want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it seems odd to me that you would Oh, no, it's okay. You can insult them. Listeners. <laughs> yeah. Why would you tune into this show right. if you were one of the C-minus students that make up this country? That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, the table fits so perfectly, hmm. like it literally goes <gasps> when it fits over the oh, wow. table, bizarrely. Any, anywho, uh, so every, uh, twice a week, uh, no, not twice a week, twice a month, every two weeks, I uh, have a home game that I host, and that's a bigger stakes game, and I uh, thankfully win at that What's game. What's your game? 
Uh, well, we played Texas Hold'em. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, it's all relative when I say bigger stakes. It's to some it will be small, to others it will be ridiculously huge. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think. I mean, I got. Uh, I have a poker tabletop that I got from Montgomery Ward. When nice. we got Montgomery that. Ward. God yeah, bless that. The brand name saving store. Nice. No more. <laughs> no more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like normally like a hundred dollars, and it was like twenty dollars. So it's cool. I mean, it's it's decent. It folds out. It's you know, nice. looks like a little. Thing. I should have gone the the twenty dollar forty dollar route. <laughs> instead yeah. of the four thousand dollar custom made, and mine's definitely not custom. But it, we, we played with yours, and it doesn't go whoosh when you put it on the table. Does not. Like yours does. Yeah. You know what? Maybe from now on, when you place it down, you should. Go I should whoosh. do the whoosh noise. Yeah. Yeah. perfect to my specs. And I'll play uh-huh. these. I'll play these games with my friends that are like literally. It's like a five dollar buy in. Like sure. it's nothing. Sure, and we'll. Everybody will play so tight and so conservative mm-hmm. with that five dollars as right. if they've put seventy five thousand dollars in their houses at stake in this game. <laughs> well, that's the relative thing. If you love the game, and we should definitely talk about it for at least another forty, yeah. 40 minutes. I'd love to. Um, if you love the game, it doesn't matter what the stakes are. You're you're not there. No one ever that I play with is there to make money. Right. Even though there's money to be made. Right. They're all there for the fun of the game, and 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 so. Like last night when the stakes were super low, there was no less gamesmanship at right. a, a right. foot. That's for sure. Because oh. there has to be something; otherwise, people will just always call. Or you yes. know what I mean? Like if there's you, nothing at stake, yeah. Yeah. it can be peanuts or pennies. <laughs> I uh, just something. obsess on it a bit because it's um, a great, uh, a similar sort of metaphor for life: the game of of cards. I mean, just the whole. Um, uh, gamesmanship and, yep. and and whatnot and and mind games and uh, getting inside people's heads psychology psychology yeah. and right. money and like four different suits uh huh you know <laughs> especially four different yeah, suits yeah and like Just numbers like, like, like one up to you ten guys, I have a deck that has a fifth suit it's never been seen <laughs> oh never my been gosh seen. what on. what would that suit be <laughs> like a pinstripe it is it's a pinstripe uh-huh. <laughs> doesn't read very well so to 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 recap <laughs> be diamonds clubs hearts spades pinstripes, pinstripes. <laughs> <laughs> Genius! It's, <laughs> it's the deck that didn't catch on. Uh-huh. Uh, but you're on a uh, sixty-seven a, cards. Yeah, a I do a poker podcast. podcast. Do you? Yeah, and do you know who Phil Galfond is? I know the name. I yeah. don't know him. He's a really good poker player. He's my friend. No, oh, um, wow. And I was just in Vegas. I did world a game in the World Series last year. Did you? I did badly last year. What about this year? I didn't do one this year. Um, I did really badly last year. Which which buy and which game did you play? I just played the um, twenty-five. Buy what is it? I was Hold'em, and it was yeah. I think it was twenty five hundred dollar buy-in, and um, I got really carried away because so all these like pro poker players are talking to me, giving me advice because they think it's so funny that I'm going to do this. Sure. And they put me in. I didn't put me in. Right. And they're like giving me like you know if you see a guy in like a blinged out T-shirt, this is how you play against him. This is wow. how you play against an old guy. This is how you play against wow. like just the psychology of the way different yes. kinds of people do it. Yeah. And they're like, and you know what? Most of the time, you can just like. If if you if you get in a bind, they, no one's gonna think you're good. So if they see you like going all in, they're gonna be afraid of you because they'll think you're gonna play so tight. Um, so I got really carried away, going all you can eat, and I kept going all in, <laughs> and it worked. I got through like five rounds. Oh yeah, but yeah. Then, um, it works the first seven times. Not so much. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but I really like poker. Yeah, because uh, then you play against some guy with like sunglasses with snake eyes on the outside, and you know you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah watch yeah. out. <laughs> Kitty cat. <laughs> That's my poker name. Kitty cat. Nice. But now we can talk about other things. 
All right. Okay. Well, how about uh, that actor, Doug Hutchinson? Oh, yeah. You heard about this? The uh, 50-year-old marrying the 16-year-old? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read, yeah. read about that on the uh, on the front page of the uh, the internet newspaper that I read. Oh, the internet newspaper. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on my doorstep every day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I read it, too. Um, he was the liver eater on the X-Files. He played a liver he, eater. He was. He was. He was also the, the bad guard in the yep. Green Mile. Yeah. Um, I think he's... Of his work, I've enjoyed. I think he's a kind of a creepy. Uh, he's so good at being creepy. Yeah, he's and, just decided to take it on full time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's an aspiring singer. Oh, she's more than an aspiring. She, she has videos. Does she? I watch them. They're very, very um, bikini clad. Ah, so, so she's a very mature sixteen-year-old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is in their pictures. Their wedding picture. They look exactly the same age. No, they do. Stop I it. Where they do. <laughs> Did I they won't use stop. one of those funhouse mirrors? Yeah, and she was wearing age makeup, and he was wearing a baby costume. Bingo. <laughs> now, one it. of her parents or both of them present? Both of them support the marriage. And the mom, first they just released something like, we love this relationship, he's a great guy. And then the mom won up to the weirdness and released a statement like, I've been looking at your comments, and I want to say my daughter is 100% natural, and those are her real breasts. Mayday. <laughs> yeah. So in this case, maybe it's better that she's with Doug. Than her parents, they seem bad. Mm. Yeah, well, that's good. Judge he got he got him away from them. Yeah, got what a savior. Yeah, I just feel, I feel like he's not going to be hireable for a little while outside of the reality show circuit. You know what I mean? There's got to be people who are like what else do you chomping need? at the bit to make a reality show out of this. You would think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure the offers are coming. And now I'm one to speak. I mean, I am with someone considerably. Is she twelve? She's not uh, thirty-five years younger. Like uh, the relationship we're talking about. Is she legally younger than you? Um, I mean, you know what I mean. She is of legal age. (laughs) Okay, see, that's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's 29, reads at a 32-year-old level. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. Mm -hmm. Social skills? Pretty good? A plus. All right. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Uh Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can still talk about someone marrying a 16-year-old. No, yeah. No, no. I'm looking, I'm looking right down my nose on it when I, when I do talk about I'm it. I'm sneering. I got to yeah, yeah, smooch yeah. up my cooch about and it. I know that, like, in other countries, like, there's people oh, that are getting Cole married. Oh, yeah, Cole goes at, on his Africa at, trip again. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, there are, I mean, there are cultures. Not related. There are cultures where, you know, people get married off at 13, 15, things like that. Because so. they want to. Where exactly. are you going with this, Cole? <laughs> Well, that's what, an argument that a lot of people are using. Is, oh. is like, well, it's only in this Western world that uh, this societal thing. Like, some people are making that argument, oh, and that's it's like, bullshit. Uh, sixteen yeah. is pretty young. And even can if, I if suggest you, that it's mostly men making that argument? Yeah, the same <laughs> argument about how the <laughs> same ones who argue how the Europeans all have mistresses, and isn't that the better that's, way? That's, that's the better such way a good way of life. Yeah, right. so, so rare much more relaxed. Hear a woman make that argument. <laughs> so if this really is a soul connection and that whole thing, like why not wait two years and then yeah. get married? And and you know, because you are an actor that wants to work and continue to work, like that's going to make it really a tough hire, for, at least for a while. I think. Well, I, I guess he thought. Uh, we can wait two years, or my career can wait two years. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe he does want that reality show. Speaking of, Hugh Hefner stood up by Crystal Harris. And yet, I just read that that yeah, three days or four days ago was the stand-up stories, and then yesterday it was all. Well, I'm not going to agree to a prenup, and they're going forward with it. Wait, they're yes. getting married. This is what I'm reading. Yes, no. Yes. She was partying with Heidi Montag in Vegas this weekend. Exactly. And then as of yesterday, your Monday... They got back together? 
He he was saying that there. I I don't. I love her so much. I don't need a prenup. Whoa. Now he's eighty four. She's twenty four. So that's got to be a land speed record. Right. A. Yeah. Wowie zowie. And two. Um. He went from I'm stood up. My heart's broken. To I don't need a prenup. And so she really worked a number on. Yeah. On what did say. she do? Good God. Magic. Maybe he just. Maybe he's just at a point now where he's like, I'm not going to take it all with me, right? So he has children. I'm eighty four. What's know. Cooper going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Am I the only one wondering what's Cooper going to do? I think you are, but um, <laughs> for the right reason. <laughs> Thank you. But I will say this. Yes. If you have access to the HBO, get yeah. yourself uh, in front of the Hugh Hefner documentary that's running on HBO. Oh, okay. It's, it, it's about his, uh, the beginning of the magazine and specifically about his efforts uh, in civil rights. Wow. And he shockingly... For those of us who have uh, no memory of this, it's absolutely amazing how he's maybe one of the top five people in American history in terms of having a positive effect on the civil rights movement. Wow. Yes. Yes. Maybe top two. I mean, it's top ridiculous. Two. Who's the other one? I'm going to say Martin Luther King, but oh. I'm just going to float it. <laughs> um, but there's an argument to be made as to which one of these two would be one and two. I mean, seriously. Yeah. It, it's absurd. Uh, the efforts that he made, and, and anyways. Do you uh, know the name of the document? Mm, People can find it. We've got yeah, the internet just, newspaper. Just type in the Hugh Hefner HBO documentary, and you'll find it. Okay, I will. Yep. Great. It's staggering. It really is staggering uh, how amazing it is, and, and, and what he had to go through, and the various efforts over the years to put an end to his empire. Empire, but also you know just fighting the good fight against. Uh, Religious right for Go sixty you. for sixty years. Woof. Yeah, that's it's beyond impressive. Um, you can weigh that against the should he marry the again story. Oh, I think he should marry whoever he wants. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. With I, just, that. I just I think she was tricky. That's my opinion on that one because she has an album coming out. So I'm wondering, and she canceled. She had a lifetime thing that was supposed to air a two hour special about marrying Heth. And then yeah, that was canceled. one of the things they were saying is that like the sales from the magazine have not been very good as of oh, late. Yeah. So that the, if she's the cover of the next thing, and they're going to put a sticker on it, so like you know, Runaway oh, Bread yeah. exclusive. This whole thing. So a lot of people thought that maybe the whole thing was, was just a publicity, publicity stunt, stunt, right? Just that they were were always going to get married, and then they just staged that to bring real attention to it. And if know, so, I people. tip my hat. Yeah, that was I say genius. Um, good move. Intricate. America Ooh. fell for it. Good on you. Good exactly. on you, Hef. I'd marry Hugh Hefner. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> we should change the subject. <laughs> uh, well, let's go to something even sadder, which is no. uh, the whole uh, Ryan Dunn thing. Uh, Ryan Dunn from Jackass uh, yeah. killed in an auto wreck yesterday, I think. Yeah. 3 a.m., I believe the yeah. story. Sunday. Uh, Not Monday, 3 a.m. And Oof. as bad as that is, the big controversy that's coming up right now is the Roger Ebert tweet at, at about it, which is just friends don't let jackasses drive drunk, basically, and it pissed a lot of people off and so now there's this big debate about it It was insensitive and this whole thing and then ebert was like you know people don't shouldn't drive drunk and he was you know had a bunch of drinks and supposedly he was upwards of 110 miles per hour when his car crashed and Mm. killed his passenger zachary hartwell who was a production assistant on jackass and a bunch of other stuff jesus so it's this weird debate now that because of course like ben majera wrote back something like you know shut up like i my best friend just died you know that whole thing shut your face that that kind of stuff but then all these jackass supporters went and like bombarded ebert's facebook page with nasty things and it got taken off for a while yeah 
and supposedly now it's back. And Ebert stuck to his guns and wrote like a big blog post about like you know, yeah, maybe the timing is insensitive, but you know it it's it's a fucked up thing to do right. to drive drunk because you know you could have hit somebody. You know you're going that fast, it's irresponsible, and that whole thing. So I don't know. It's 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 a it's a tough thing because I guess yeah, it is insensitive is, yeah. in that sense, but also like. Well, I mean, that whole culture of jackass, like, glorifies very dangerous things. And it's usually to the extent of comedy and everything like that. But it is dangerous. And I don't know. And I feel like nobody that read that was super surprised that that would happen. I think that a Twitter um, defect is being exposed. I think Mm -hmm. the real-time conversation that Twitter offers is a potentially dangerous powder keg and this would be an example of it for uh uh, i myself was involved in a no level controversy (laughs) when (laughs) opie and anthony radio was the 74th person that i saw tweet r.i.p clarence clemens the day after he passed and i retweeted it and added Fuck him, son of a bitch owed me money. <laughs> <laughs> and how could this cause controversy? And thirty percent of the replies to me were You're a dick, take that down. And seventy percent were that's the funniest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> because I again I stress that the Opie uh, radio tweet uh, was the 74th RIP I read. And there's something about Twitter where like there's a a good there's a good pimp on this on Twitter, something about making fun of false humility. I forget what the at name is, Mm -hmm. but somebody's calling out all these celebrities on their false humble pie bullshit. Mm. Like um, Humble brag, that whole thing. That's it. That's it. Humble brag. So and there's something about this this RIP thing that was really st- starting to annoy me which yeah. is everyone is showing their alleged sensitivity by posting you were a good man RIP yeah. Clarence there's a few that you know would regale a 140 character anecdote of a personal experience where he came on, walked on stage in a small club in Jersey and blew everybody's mind and couldn't believe I was there that night. You know, that's kind of cool to share. But the whole, aren't I sensitive because I'm posting RIP. And look what I know about as well. Yeah. Is this fucking stock. Get over yourself. I don't give a shit that you think that your followers should know that you want to make a stand and a statement by saying RIP to the dead guy, by the way. Who is this for? I'll (laughs) tell you who it's for. It's for the people who follow you who now think, wow, it was sensitive of you, man. I saw that you (laughs) tweeted RIP. So it just started to really fucking annoy me. And I just, well, you know. I also wrote, I didn't give you the whole thing I wrote, fuck him, he owed me money, period, too soon, dot, 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 question mark. <laughs> so I made a comment on the comment, right. within the comment, and took right. it to a new comedic level. Thank you. Yeah, You're I, welcome. I, I totally get that because like, I feel like a lot of 
people don't even know who Clarence Clemens was, really. Or like, we're like, what, what, that name's familiar. Typed it into Google. Oh yeah, he was played saxophone in the E Street Band, a band that I don't really follow. I have Bruce Springsteen's greatest RIP, hits album. You know, man. that's it. And then they feel Secret. like they got away in it. Like, Everyone jumps on. It. Like yeah. you know, I, I occasionally I'll do that for people that like like Sidney Lumet. I was a huge fan of when he yeah, passed. Yeah. I was like, you know, yeah. oh, this really bums me out. You know, here are some great movies of yeah. his that I love, or check these out. Like, right. well, yeah, you've, you've seen Network, but go see The Hill. Like, there's other right. things out there. Like, if hopefully it brings people to check out their other stuff. But just I just want everyone RIP. to know I'm affected by something. Well, that's it. That's yeah. the thing yep. about Twitter that um, you know the Roger Ebert thing is a, is an example of the powder keg, which is this real time opinion poll. Yeah. That um, you know it welcomes no censorship and it welcomes speak your mind. And then the moment anyone does with any sort of level of attention. Uh, it can backfire, and and by the fans of the t- topic or subject, right, right. you know, and and also the whole tone over text, you know, people like someone oh, yeah. someone just tweeted me, um, Usual Suspects was on last night, man. I got to tell you, the movie's easily one of the best three films ever made for me, and your performance is amazing. And I retweeted all of that, but added at the top of it, "fuck you!" exclamation point, <laughs> <laughs> right. And then three people of the 50 or whatever who replied, three of them were, were totally missed the irony. And the, <laughs> you just you completely thought, why would you F you that guy? He seemed to be complimentary. What's meant to you, sir? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And, and also, that. one of the three was like trying to convince me, no, no, it really is good, man. <laughs> movie's special. Why would you? It was a special how do you thing not you know that it's a great movie? Like yeah, it is hilarious. Re- they really thought that I was angry. So the whole text over <laughs> tone, or vice versa, yeah. is um, is a tricky thing too. So why Roger Ebert? He, you know, look, driving drunk is one of the most dangerous things uh, a person can do. Yeah. Um, to some, above uh, having a loaded gun in your house, because uh, of all the obvious reasons. So. If you want to make a statement about that to the people who follow you, who chose to follow you, you should be allowed to do that because that's what Twitter is. Right. right. And then for the people who don't agree with the statement or think the timing's bad and think that you're being insensitive because of the timing, they can fuck off. Chill I mean, out and don't yeah. look at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Twitter is for, for, you know, if you follow me, you, you know what my tone is. Right. And if you don't, then I don't care. I mean, I don't know that I'm doing Twitter right I mean, I, I, I have 200,000 and plus followers, right? And I'll tweet something like, um, I'm going to make a sandwich. And then, <laughs> so I started my day with 200,000 followers, right? And I'll tweet, I'm going to make a sandwich. And then 20 people will reply, what kind of sandwich? <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I'll, I'll tweet what kind of sandwich I'm going to make. And then two people will go, hmm. <laughs> so you see what I've done. I've started my day with 200,000 people in the palm of my hand and reduced them to two. To 20. To two. Oh. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've reduced them to two. So I don't think I'm And then there will be right? three that go, I don't fucking care what kind of sandwich you want to yeah, make. Yeah. Block. Unfollow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a dick. Who cares? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I admire the people who on Twitter who speak their mind if they're in a, a position of a big audience or whatever. And they, they just stay true to your school, whatever that school is. Right. And, you know, it's the last place that should be censored on the planet. Yeah. Because I, when I first started, I was, like, avoiding swearing and people – and I would, you know, 
use the silly fill in the word right oh, yeah. cool. stuff that Mad Magazine well, taught my me. My dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, people would say, you know, let your freak flag fly, man. You're on Twitter. And uh, and then it immediately made sense. Well, yeah, if you can't be yourself here. And that's why you brought the flag today. It is indeed. It's a beautiful uh, flag. Why it's flying, I don't know. <laughs> There's a breeze in here. Yeah, yeah. There's right. a slight breeze. Well, that's what the sound was. Yeah, was yeah. The breeze. The breeze. Yeah, the breeze. <laughs> the breeze. <laughs> well, breeze um, from the hell mouth. I'm going to transition here. Speaking of oh, death. Please. Nice? Nicely yeah. done. Yeah. Nicely done. Game of Thrones. Oh. I know you have not seen the... Very final episode yet, Kevin. But uh, spoiler alert! Uh, in the Are you going uh, yeah, to spoiler spoil? alert. If you guys have not watched, uh, I'm not going to spoil the last one Thank for you. you. But if you have not watched the first, <laughs> if you have not watched the first nine episodes of Game of Thrones, you're one of those people. I'm going to wait for DVD. Then maybe fast forward five minutes here in the podcast. Five minutes. Well, right. at this point, if if you've ignored all social media for the last month, yeah. uh, there was a big death at the end of episode nine. A very shocking death. First, let me ask. Is this a big turnoff to um, um, women? Game of Thrones? Yeah. No. Okay. Not for me. I thought it would be. I want, well, I, the idea was repulsive, quite honestly, to me. But then I got into the show. No. Oh, okay. It's a sexy show. Yeah, it is. They're sexing it up. I mean, uh-huh. at first it was too sexy. They've kind of made it a little less violently sexy. Right. Um, but those big, hunky men, it works for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, there right, it right. Is. There's a lot of whoas, too. There are a, a lot, lot of whoas. And a lot of, like, they're still just, they love butt stuff. And the little man apparently has a big penis. Big, yeah. Yeah. Or they want us to think. And they, they love really... to kill horses. Oh. Yeah, they do. They really do on that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they really die. Those horses are Yeah, really they really do yeah, kill them. Really yeah. Kill. yeah, they made that clear. Yeah. Many, many <laughs> animals were hurt were during the production of this. They, <laughs> they usually don't get it on the first take, so yeah. they, they go through about a dozen horses per... Oh, no, there are many stunt horses, and they all have to die. They must <laughs> right. die. Yeah. But in the name of... Do you not enjoy Rowan's. glue? <laughs> Cole? Well, I don't understand what the discussion is. Yeah, those guys are Gelatin straight. They're on their Jell-O? way to the glue factory. Yeah. Are you interested? Hello? <laughs> that comes from the Game of Thrones industry. But there were a lot of people seriously upset with the death of... The the guy on all the posters yeah. <laughs> of someone uh, important of someone important that uh, everyone I, listening who knows the show knows who you're talking. Yes, about. Uh, and a lot of people who most people haven't read the books are watching the show. A lot have too, but a lot of people haven't. And uh, I love the show. Haven't read the books. Me neither. And it's hilarious to me the serious disdain that people who have read the books have towards anybody like us who have an emotional reaction to the death of this character. Right. <laughs> it's like it's consistently like, well, pff, if you'd read the books, you would have known that this was coming. Right. Jerk. Like, right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, what? They killed off so-and-so? Yeah. This is weird. Yeah. It's one thing. that There were people having an emotional response to the point like, I'm not going to watch the show anymore. And I get that you're like, well, that's stupid. I mean yeah. – well, by killing off a major character it's like exciting. this, it's exciting. It's an exciting thing. For it makes you know that nobody is safe, and so you never yes. know what's going to happen, which yes. makes it so much more dramatically exciting. Yeah. When they, I mean, earlier on, Mark Addy, Mark one of Addy, the yeah, biggest names in the great. show, yeah. and it's not like he gets a heroic on-screen death or something. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear the bitching and moaning when he. Yeah, nobody yeah. was yeah. upset about that, but uh, it just shows you that like no one's safe, and I think it's going to make for exciting TV going forward. And his character, by the way, Mark Addy's character to me was a lot more fun on screen than I agree. Yeah, than most of the characters. Can I say a little something about the? Uh, I, I hope the actor who plays the young king, um, maybe he can turn off his podcast or fast forward for five minutes <laughs> <laughs> because uh, 
Not since Deliverance have I seen brilliant inbred casting. Because <laughs> uh, they're clearly suggesting that some in, oh, yeah. Yeah, inbreeding has yeah. taken place. And he's such an awkward-looking individual Ooh. that if someone said to me, you know, he's 40, I would probably say, of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's playing, I think, like 16 right. in the show. Right, he's 15, yeah, yeah. 16, 15, 16 somewhere yeah. there. But he's so bizarre-looking from a hill people kind of way <laughs> that if you said... So I want to just say, you know, in terms of a production, uh, I, I, I wish I could be the fly on that wall when, when they were casting. They're like, no, he's not to weird say, enough. To you say, know, you know, this guy's too good-looking. We I mean, yeah. have to go with someone who screams... Inbred. I mean, <laughs> don't we? Yeah. yeah. Can we get a toe count? And if they've got all ten, we're but not it interested. really needs to be a weird uh, look on his face because his toes will be covered, <laughs> even though it's a sword. Even though it's a sword and sandal show, you know, toes will be seen at some point. But we need that face to be utterly fucked up it's in a way read that that reads mom. cousins. You know, we're more than kissing. Got to read permanent bitter beer face. Yes. Yeah. But, but bond. Yeah. You know. Bleach him out. But, the, yeah. but um, Stark's daughter, who wants to marry the ugly king, is amazingly pretty. Stunning. Yeah. Right. So that always... I thought that... because she's a girl. ...spoke pretty well to <laughs> the time, if not the present, in terms of... I mean, certainly more of the time, how they married off these families yeah. and the importance of that and what it meant to land grabbing and all of that. Um, but the desperation... Uh, that probably exists today for some fathers or families to want their young daughters yeah. to marry well, no right. matter what, even if he looks like... At any cost. Uh, you know, a, a poodle and a schnauzer said, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and what I'm realizing about this show, too, is it's like, it's not... It's over a bunch of books. It's a not... Breeze. the. It's not about... What a breeze. It's not oh, about so these... Refreshing. It's like Game of Thrones. It's not about these... It's about their kids. That's what it's about. That's what who it will end up being about. Like it's not these guys are all going to kill each other off. At the end of the day, it's basically Modern Family with dragon eggs. But thank God, not a mock <laughs> documentary. Oh yeah, that pretty much. Well, that's happening that. in the next episode. Anything can happen. Yeah, season two is very different. <laughs> They're going to do it. There's a lot of couch interviews. Much more steady cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things you've done. Uh, you've done what? a lot Whoops. of great stuff. What's happening? Uh, how did we go from pop 1992. culture? 1992. All right. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's a big year, actually. You've worked with some amazing directors. Yep. Correct. Amazing continue. directors. This is just a list of some of the guys you've worked with. All right. Brian Singer, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. Ron Howard, mm-hmm. Rob Reiner, mm-hmm. Barry Levinson, yes. Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. Peter Hyams, mm-hmm. Vincent Gallo, mm-hmm. sure. Tom Hanks, <laughs> uh, Jonathan Lynn, Donald Petrie, Russell Mulcahy, just a bunch of guys who have made noteworthy things and are very auteur and the way they've directed things. Yeah. Uh, Scorsese had to be a sincere trip. He's at the apex of that list. Yeah. Who I'm, do I'm, you I'm, have? I'm going to be bold and crazy and put him at the top. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Wait, Martin? And a chance of really offending the others. Okay. Yeah. Especially Vincent Gallo, who's clearly <laughs> going to be pissed off. He's the only one that will say, that's fucking bullshit. He's going to tweet you. He's yep. going to tweet the shit out of you. <laughs> you. You worked with Gallo twice, though, right? Buffalo 66 and Truth or Consequences. Yeah, Buffalo 66 that he... Wrote and directed was really um, it, it was a a favor and and two not really acting it was just me and um, Alex Karras nice pull um, in a booth 
calling a football game. <laughs> I'm not really in the movie. I'm, I'm doing a voice. voice there's, a, there's a football game on in the background on the TV, and, I, and it needed the, the voiceover redone. Um, and a lot of the, some of the storyline has to do with this particular game. So he wanted to control what the announcers were saying, saying right. blah, 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 blah. So, but when I worked with him in uh, Truth and Consequences, New Mexico, possibly the worst title of a film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland's directorial debut. That's right. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun because then we were in an ensemble cast, Gallo and I and Kiefer and some other great folks. Do you have a favorite or a, who was the most fascinating to work with of those directors? Fascinating? In yeah. In terms of, that's an open question because you can go a lot of ways with that. Wow. Fascinating. Take it and run. <laughs> or trot. Fascinating. Or squat. Also, I've been directed by William Shatner. At least we forget that. Oh. Yes. Showtime series uh, episode that he directed me in. Um, he would be the most fascinating in any list. And but, you, um, you, you do a Shatner. Did he? I'm sure he was aware of this. Did you guys have a Shatner um, I made fun of him for about 25 years before we finally <laughs> right. met. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to be clear, it isn't, it isn't the current Shatner that I uh, make fun of. Or the Shat, as I like to call him. <laughs> nice. Um, I dig me the current Shatner. Uh, 81 in April. He turned 81. Whoa, Crazy. mama. How the fuck about that? Yeah. 81. It seems impossible. It does. And yet it's true. And, you know, we should all be kicking life in the nuts as hard as he is. Right? If, if we get to 81. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, granted, he's blown up like a poison dog. But let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but let's be honest. If you can't have carbs at 81, fuck life. Yeah, I know, right? You what know was what I'm the saying? Point? Yeah. What was the fucking I point? I get to 81. <laughs> it is, excuse me, miss, I'll have the pie. I'll have the meth and the pie. <laughs> and a, a glass of uh, pie. <laughs> yeah. I'm 81. <laughs> so uh, I, I finally got to meet him. And um, he, he wrote a book about Trekkies called Get a Life. And... Uh, Hilarious. And he, I get a call from his office after making fun of him for 25 years. <laughs> and we're talking about on talk shows, stand-up specials. Right. America Across had, the board. America <laughs> had pretty much seen me making fun of him for a couple of decades. <laughs> I don't know how he could have avoided it is the point. <clears throat> so, yeah, his office calls and he says, uh, he's writing a book about Trekkies, wants me to come to his office and explain for the reader in one chapter how to do the consummate Captain Kirk impersonation. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, you have to understand, for an idiot who does voices, this is as good as it gets. Yeah, You've sure. hit it. Yeah, that's it. I dive into the car. I'm racing over to his office. Uh. I can't believe this is going to happen. I'm just giddy. I'm laughing out loud. <laughs> it's Christmas morning. I'm nine. And halfway there, it dawns on me, oh, Shat. no. I have to say to his face, well, Mr. Shatner, you were uh, a shitty actor. <laughs> you know, you gestured like a marionette and took pauses no one could explain. That's that's why there's an impersonation. Pregnant well, pauses that they should have given birth yeah. many months ago. I couldn't say any of that, but I have to say something. Because I have to explain the technical steps of doing the best William Shatner. So. Plus, I want to be in the book. So this is what I make up in the car, and this is what I present to him when we finally meet. <clears throat> well, Mr. Shatner, sir, um, Star Trek was a great show. It was a phenomenal show. It was an amazing show. <laughs> I shouldn't have to tell you that. Uh, but if I may, not every episode was great. And the Enterprise, the bridge, was kind of cheesy looking, you know, like uh -huh. if you got on the elevator and bumped the wall, it wobbled a little bit. <laughs> 
And some of the aliens that chase you around were kind of lame. Like that one unicorn albino bear fucking thing. What was that? I don't know. My point, sir, is that uh, to the fans, you weren't just captain of the ship. You were captain of the show. And I think, I think sometimes you had to create drama where there wasn't any. You know? And I think it's also possible in order to do that, you had to... Uh, Overact a little bit, a little bit. Artful dodger, you are. Right? (laughs) He prints all of that (gasps) in the book verbatim. Whoa! It's called Get a Life, Get a Copy. It's one chapter. Oh my gosh! He prints all of that in the yeah as explanation, and then he editorialized. I don't know. Kevin was absolutely right, (laughs) and I hadn't realized (laughs) (laughs) until he pointed it out. (laughs) And it all started years before (laughs) my first play on Broadway called The Adventures of Susie Wong, and the play was a piece of shit. <laughs> we lost half the audience at intermission every performance. They didn't come back. I realized I had to do something to try to save the show. <laughs> so the very next performance, I went out on stage and said my lines differently. I said, I'll have that cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience stayed riveted in their seats, trying to figure out what the hell was the matter with me. Ah, <laughs> uh, But Kevin was wrong about all the pausing I did on Star Trek. <laughs> the only reason I pause so much is uh, I couldn't remember my damn line. <laughs> That's all in the book. That's awesome. Woo! So he is the most fascinating by far on that list. Yeah. Um, Scorsese was the most surprising and, the eyebrows? and excellent. Uh, not the eyebrows, the uh, Simpsons couch, that uh, <laughs> the two of them that hang above his eyes. Uh, <laughs> Not that. No, no. I think one was uh, taught to expect that, that look. Um, the fact that they had fingers was uh, surprising. No. Uh, that here's a guy who knows exactly what he wants in every square inch of his composition that is the frame. As if it's a graph and he's, every square of the graph is filled to perfection. Within that composition, the actors are free to do literally whatever the fuck they want. Mm. No restraints. Barely a suggestion. You know, we, I, there's one scene I have with me and De Niro in, in Casino where we're at a table and having a conversation. So he would play the scene and then he uh, cut and then he would come over. And I just remember the little bobbing head of Scorsese at the edge of the table and went major enthusiastically mm-hmm. saying, uh, so what do you think? Uh, should be more angry? Less? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And um, he just literally wanted to inspire you to play, but really not telling you in which way to proceed. Oh, wow. Yeah. And also, this is after four-hour lighting setup, where he painstakingly controlled every single square of the frame uh, down to the letter. So that was shocking, that within all of that control by a master, the uh, I was free to do what I wanted. And and was encouraged to... uh, Going and there's some tricks that directors play where you'll do a take and they want you to be less angry, let's say, and they'll come by and they'll go, "Okay, so um, what do you think? More angry or less?" Knowing mm. they have a fifty-fifty chance of getting you to do more, right. more angry, if that's what they want. So if you say, "Well, I think less," and they want you to do the other, they'll go, "All right, let's try that." If they're smart, right? And then they'll let you do one like that so that they can come back after that take knowing they're going to set it on fire and say, mm. why don't we try the one where it's more angry? Just to have it. Yeah. Right. We got the last. Less was great. <laughs> but once I get to editing, I don't know what I'm going to use. So let's, right, those games are played constantly by the better directors. Which is smart because you're you dealing with ego. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want to be supportive. One thing I learned from these better directors was 
as I'm now starting to direct myself. And by that, I mean uh, when I'm alone. <laughs> um, Try this out. <laughs> you set up straight. All right. Uh, is that you want to begin your direction with a positive response. Not as if you're talking to a German shepherd, but you do want, you know, a good right. dog. You do want <laughs> something like that was really uh, kind of wonderful, you know. Because without confidence... Well, they're no playing in a sandbox, yeah. and you want yeah. them to be vulnerable, right. and you want them to, to explore and experiment and feel. So if they get into their own head, it's, yeah. it's, it's over. They're, yeah. well, they're such children actors. So if the director, I've, you know, an, an unhappy set is just the worst place to be in the world. And if the yeah. director, um, you know, there's, there's directors out there who are kind of famous for beating up their actors and, and, and getting them to do what they want by force and that kind of nonsense. Right. Um, head trips and um, mind games and... I mean, I don't want to mention any names, um, but if you saw JFK or W, all the initial <laughs> films. There's um, a person buying that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, that list is, uh, yeah, I've been wildly fortunate. No, yeah. No question about it. And, and what I learned from the better ones was to be wholly supportive of what the actors are doing and, and have it be a collaboration or at least be able to convince them that it is. Again, right. good life lessons, just like That's poker. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Psychology, man. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Willow. Grew up with it. Heck um, yes. Which uh, was one of your first films. Yes, and, yes. Uh, with Ron Howard directed it, and you got to work with Rick Overton on that. Who George uh, Lucas producing, and Rick Overton and I were the brownies, yes. Right. And I'm sh- you, did you know Rick from the stand-up scene? I think you guys have done Miller Dot Mystery, too. But. I owe Rick... Um, Money? A uh, well, sure. <laughs> a uh, lifelong thank you because the only reason I'm in Willow, other than my God-given talent, is um, <laughs> that's word a for huge an atheist, penis. Word for an atheist to say <laughs> my my penis-given talent. <laughs> um, because uh, Ron ha- uh, Howard had worked with Rick before, prior to uh, Willow, Gung Ho, and some other movie, I think, and wanted Rick hired him first to be one of the brownies in Willow, and said to Rick. I need someone you can improvise with to for you guys to be the sort of Lenny and Squiggy and um, R2-D2, C-3PO, what have you. So how about you pick five guys? We'll have each one of them come in one at a time and improvise Whoa. with you. That'll be the audition process. Oh, so the fact that Rick picked me to be one of those That's five amazing. changed everything for me and began my real acting career, yeah. And I had him on my chat show to basically thank him for an hour and a half. <laughs> You're the best, Rick. Yeah, Rick's, Rick's great. No, I love him. And one of the greatest improvisers I've ever yeah, been on stage he's with. He's amazing. Yeah, truly. He's really nice. quick. When I was coming up in San Francisco, in fact, when we did Willow, we shot north of there at uh, Lucas's uh, ILM uh, world renowned facility. And um, it's one of those great moments where I, you know, it's my first real movie, and Ron Howard's directing, and George Lucas yeah. is producing. So my, I grew up in the Bay Area, so I have my dad come up and visit, and he meets. George Lucas. Oh my gosh! And and, and turns into Homer Simpson immediately <laughs> by, by saying to George Lucas when they meet, uh, "Nice to meet you, sir. I really, really liked E.T. <laughs> <laughs> I just liked by that much." <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's ILM, that. I love the trip. Um, yes, I went in there once because uh, I was shooting a commercial up in the Bay Area, and I guess they were doing the post effects on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So just the wardrobe fitting was over at ILM, and like. I'm sure they have several different office things, but it was just this unassuming little office drab 
awful looking office park thing when I went in. And then the second I walked through the door, I was like, oh, there's Yoda in a case. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my God, I'm an LM. <laughs> yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. And all these posters were things they were working on at the time, and, yeah. and little little. I think they had a little model from Jurassic Park in there too, and a bunch of other stuff. It oh was my gosh. crazy magic stuff. Such a trip, just walk through the door. Yeah, well, it's a museum of magic. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, really is. Um, okay, so you get to work with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. and Jack Lemmon. Yeah, and, and Sophia Loren and, oh. and Margaret and Burgess Meredith. That yeah. is so ridiculous. 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 Love those movies. Love those guys. Um, and you get to play uh, Matthew's son. It's really weird. I, you know, I started out in stand-up comedy, and the, the, the fantasy of being in movies was, you know, to be the funny guy. Right. And um, certainly was funny in a cartoonish, funny, silly way in Willow. And then Avalon was one of the – either the next film or shortly thereafter. And it was a, this dramatic – sweeping giant saga that Barry Levinson wrote and directed. And I was immediately stamped dramatic actor overnight. Hmm. Uh, People were asking where I studied in New York. Have never attended an acting class prior or since. I'm not proud of that, but it's just a fact. So my career took this weird turn on Avalon. Uh, You know, a turn that comedians, stand-up comics would would kill for that is right. to be taken seriously as a dramatic right. actor. Right, right, Unfortunately, right. if you go too far that way, you don't get a chance to play funny. And in right. the case of the Grumpy Old Men movies, the irony for me was I'm playing straight man to Walter Matthews. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I you know, don't really get a chance to be funny in this incredibly funny movie, which was a bit of a double-edged sword because right. uh, also as a character actor, Matthew and Lemon were two of my all-time heroes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Because they were of the very few who were able to get to uh, star status. Yep. Who were allowed to do the silliest, goofiest comedy films and the most intense dramas within the same career. Think of someone nowadays. The list is absurdly small, and it's always been small. So both of those guys got to do that. And then they had this incredible relationship between themselves away from the camera best friends for 100 years. Mm. Um, so that was an opportunity beyond one's dreams. And then there was this little negative undertone for me, which yeah. is I don't get to be funny Did with you ham it up funny in between heroes. I made the mistake of trying to be funny also around <laughs> Walter Matthau. I think well, the first thing I said, to, we, were, we were introduced on the set before we shot our first scene together. There was no rehearsal time. There was no social dinners or lunches just show up to the set first day kevin this is walter walter this is kevin hi how are you and i and then the two of us are standing there in silence while the worker is happening around us they're setting up for the shot so i try to break the silence with so script's pretty good huh what an idiot. Well, <laughs> what? Why would I? You ever seen E.T.? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, script's pretty good, huh? He looks at me and he says, Script sucks, kid. I owe my bookie two million. <laughs> <laughs> he was not kidding. He loved, he loved the horses. Oh, well. Yeah, he wasn't kidding. Oh, my gosh. That's Except amazing. Except about the script sucking. The script was good. But, but uh, him, him owing the bookie was true. And then later, I, I didn't had the mistake of, you know, in an attempt to... Let him know how much I loved The Odd Couple as a film. And 
you know, Walter, I love that scene where you take the bowl of spaghetti and throw it against the wall and say, no, it's garbage. And he and Walter said, no R, garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, he was the funniest and smartest um, person I think I've, I've met encased in one human. Oh, wow. Uh, both those Smartest. guys are incredible actors and comedians. And it's kind of, they passed within a year of each other, yep. which is mm. And they shared a room while we were shooting. That's the other <gasps> really? amazing part. Their advanced people found one gigantic, incredible presidential suite in an older hotel in Minneapolis, which was by far the best suite in the Twin Cities. And then the other agent of the other party, I don't remember whose agent found it first, said, well, why do you get the best room? This is bullshit. And they went round and round. They eventually sent some, you know, uh, PA or whatever to the Twin Cities to try to find, you know, something similar because they couldn't find anything over the phone or what have you. And it's reported back by this person that at the other end of this gigantic, it must have been 4,000 square feet. It was insane, this suite. But at the very, very far end of it is another master bedroom. So if you just kick open the door, they can both share the middle part, which is you know, the full the kitchen, a piano, right. a oh living room. Ridiculous. Sharing so the it, piano is going to be hard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Plus only Jacqueline had played beautifully. <laughs> so they ended up sharing... They kicked open the door, and the odd, oh. cu- the odd couple lived together while we were shooting. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. And they had us over. I love that so much. They had us no. over for a few uh, <gasps> little gatherings, you know. So Daryl Hannah and I and Buck Henry and, and Margaret and her husband would go over. And, uh, my, Are you serious? I know. It was such a dream. That's and amazing. then my favorite part was um, we gathered to watch the Academy Awards that year. It was the year that Marissa Tomei won. And she was against four brilliant British actresses. Joan Plowright, Judy Davis, Judy Dench, and I want to say one of the uh, Redgraves. Uh, oh, no, Mar- uh, uh, Miranda Richardson. Mm. So four British brilliant actresses, and Marissa Tomei, who is wonderful, uh, but basically played a cartoon character in right. My Cousin, My Cousin Benny, Benny. which right. she won for. And so we're all gathered for this Academy Awards. We're watching. Everyone's having a good time. And then this category comes up pretty early. And the winner is Marissa Tomei. And, and before they announced the winner, we're all talking about, well, I worked with Joan Plowright in Avalon. She's the best. She should win. I worked with late, Dame Lady Judy Dent, whatever, and this, and she should win. And everyone's giving up their opinions, and the winner is Marissa Tomei. And then there's an explosion of, what the fuck? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, everyone was really carrying on, screaming and yelling as if Hitler had been found. <laughs> and, uh, and Walter is sitting in his chair about three feet in front of the TV, having not moved or raised a syllable on the matter, sitting in silence while everyone around him is screaming and yelling like monkeys in a cage. <laughs> and, and he waits a good nine minutes for the yelling and screaming to stop. <laughs> Hasn't said a syllable. And then as soon as it's silent, while still staring at the TV, Walter says, I'll sell my Oscar for 35 cents. <laughs> <laughs> But that was his protest. <laughs> oh, my god! <laughs> and the fact that he waited for the silence to let, oh. let his protest be heard. Was That's amazing. I love that. Also That's so beautiful. Great. All this will be in a book I'm writing. Oh, yes, yes. Believe it or Tell not. Tell us about the book. Called uh, How I Slept to the Middle. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> I'm just starting the process now, so it'll probably be a good year before it actually comes out as I'm learning from uh, the the literary agent about how the book world works. Yeah. You, you sell it, and then a year later, people see it. Nice. Ooh. So, anywho, more on that. That'll That's awesome. Uh, let's do firsts. Yeah, let's do uh, it. We do this in the podcast every uh, episode. It's a mm-hmm. different first. Uh, for this one, since you're a noted impressionist, what was the first impression you can remember doing as a child? As a child? Yeah, the first thing you think you learned. Well, um, I don't know if I should put too fine a point on the doing impressions thing, but it, it's a fluke freak ear thing that every child has at birth. Technically, I've been told it's how we learn to speak as mm. humans is by Im- imitating the sounds right. in the specific uh, order so that they form words that we don't even know what the words are. We're just repeating what we're hearing. And then for some of us, uh, it becomes a thing. And I'll meet, you know, because I've been doing it as a stand-up, I'll meet other actors who, for, for no explanation whatsoever, can do a ridiculous impersonation of the most random people. So mm. it's this weird thing that, that a lot of people have. Yep. Very few of us f- turned into a career. So, uh, or should. So, uh, <laughs> but the very first one I think I did of note would be lost on your audience, if not yourselves as well, because it was the football coach in high school. And I did it, <laughs> I did it for my friends, fellow students, who thought it was the funniest, br- most brilliant thing, because the guy needed to be mocked, and it was a flawless impersonation, if I may. <laughs> I can say that because there's no reason to prove it, for no one would know whether it was any good. Uh, so... It ended abruptly, and oh, my no. my uh, comedic impersonations of famous people began in a single moment. When a during one lunch period in the quad, where one uh, has lunch at the Pioneer High School in San Jose, California, mm-hmm, I'm doing the coach, and uh, my fellow students are laughing, and then they got the strange look on their oh, face, no. which we understand. I don't like the story. <laughs> which we understand from movies. This moment when someone is doing something and everyone's laughing, and then they stop because they're looking over the person's shoulder and they and see the monster there. coming. Right. And then so we we'll get that see, reveal shot. I don't know the monster <laughs> is coming, so I keep doing the funny, oh, and then no. suddenly I'm in a headlock from, oh, from behind. You're <laughs> oh, no. kidding. And it's one of those headlocks that you experience very few times in life, but if you have, you know what I'm talking about, because within three seconds, your brain actually says, we're going to pass out. And before I pass out, I hear the coach who has applied the headlock in my ear say, I heard about it, and I don't think it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And down I went. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. How about you for Vanessa? What was your first? I don't know. I watched a lot of cartoons, a lot of Warner Brothers cartoons, and I think that that was probably the first thing that I can remember doing because I had an uncle that was really into Warner Brothers, and um, we would just, like, watch the old, old ones together. The Looney Tunes? Yeah, yeah. Did you uh, happen to go to the uh, Hollywood Bowl last year? No. I hope they do it again this year. I haven't yeah. seen the listing of it, but did you yeah. hear about this? Yeah. Oh, God, it's amazing. The Looney Tunes played on the big screen while the orchestra plays. Oh, that's amazing. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be so cool. So one of the Looney Tunes characters, do you remember I, which one? I remember. I really liked doing um, Pepe Le Pew, which you I You know what's going to happen now? It's Cole does my Pepe Le Pew. Going to need to hear it. <laughs> Go, Cole. Show him what I got. Well, I don't really remember. I also, let's see. My Elmer Fudd wasn't a good Elmer Fudd, sure. but I would, I would have just like... Sure, give us a little bad. Give us, give us taste. Give us a taste of the Fudd. I don't even think I can do it. I'm so scared now. My palms are sweating. I can do a really good uh, singing frog. Michigan remember? Gay frog? <laughs> that's that it? Oh, and Droopy Dog. That's what I remember. Oh, I'm, how does he talk? Up so... Was that it? Sure. 
Mm. No, that was it. I think it's like oh. You should great. You should that best to go and do an impression with. Wait, how's he go? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wait, can y'all do it and then I'll do it back? You to know you. what? Actually, that's brilliant. As, as something that I should do on stage. <laughs> okay, great bit. I should. How does that guy go? Set up a Christopher Walken story. And then stop and go, wait, how does he go? <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be amazing. It would be pretty awesome. Oh, my God. I have to remember that. <laughs> that is fucking awesome. That's please right. let me remember that. You please, can have it. I'll please, email you. Please. Please. <laughs> please. <laughs> Cole Stratton. Right. Cole, you're first. Uh, a lot of cartoon characters when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaggy, who I still do to this yeah. day. Sure. That's the first one I really remember doing. And then most of the Hanna-Barbera characters. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like Augie Doggy and Augie Daddy and... Mm-hmm. Those guys. Well, fl- have to anything do from the Flintstones besides It's a Living? I didn't do Flintstones. Um, but, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, exit, stage right. All right, oh, already. Yeah. Stage left. Snuggle 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 and oh, Augie, was... Doggy and Augie Daddy were, um, uh, I'll give my son. Hey, yes, dear old dad. Those are those two. Wow. Perfect. Perfect uh, and then the Shaggy, which I've done yeah. when I did I a Shaggy up with Matt Lillard, uh, is um, like, okay, Scoob. <laughs> Zoinks. Yeah, perfect. In that area. So. You, perfect. I think you did out Shag Matthew Lillard when you Thanks. guys did it. I like that you phrased it like that. <laughs> <laughs> out I outshagged Matthew Lillard. Yeah. You uh, outshat the shat. <laughs> well, uh, well phrased. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And impressions are fun to do. Like, I, I think it's, it's mostly fun to try to do people that nobody else does. So you can yeah. say, like, that's my thing that I do. Yes. You know what I mean? Because yes. at this point, like, you do an amazing walk-in, but now everybody does a walk-in, especially after like Jay Moore did it on SNL or whatever. Jay then, was the first. I always now, give him credit for being the first. He did it on SNL. And uh, in fact, I ran into him while I was kind of working on mine. The guy who wrote uh, uh, The Usual Suspects. Uh, Chris, Chris McQuarrie. Yeah. He and I uh, came up with this uh, idea for a TV pilot. We were casting it, and it, in between actors coming in and auditioning, we would entertain each other by doing Bob Hope and Christopher Walken sitting in for uh, Regis and Kathy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And it was absurd. And I was doing a bad Bob Hope, and he was doing a pretty good Christopher Walken. And then we were on the lot, so we were going to lunch, and we ran into Jay Moore. And uh, I literally cornered him and said, you've got to teach us the secret here. And Jay Moore said, when doing Christopher Walken, every single syllable word becomes a two-syllable word. So the word no becomes now. Right. <laughs> so it, it's stuff like that that makes it fun and you find the keys. Oh, that's so awesome. I find it's good, too, to like just find a key phrase. That yes, like, yeah. absolutely. Just, if you get into that phrase, then you can always come out of it. And Here's you feel a like fun drop and get back into it. Here's a fun trick for you all, along those lines that I learned from Alan Arkin. One of my obscure impersonations. And a great one. I'll say. What? Um, he, and his son, <laughs> he and his son, Tony, play this game called, um, well, I think it's one word impersonation. And you can only use one word Ooh. to do the impersonation. And it cannot be a word that the person is famous for saying. So you can't go bombardier exactly. for Arkin. Exactly. Mm. So here's a perfect example that I came up with, if I may. Uh, one word impersonation of former President Bill Clinton. Lingerie. <gasps> right? Yeah. 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 And you guys didn't right see on. it, but he also had the gesture, the hand gesture. The hand, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's a fun game. That's uh, a really fun game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I agree with the obscure impersonations. And the Christopher Walken thing has kind of become the Nicholson of this decade. Yeah, it kind of yeah. has, yeah. Uh, but if those of you uh, listening... If you're near your computer, if you want to Google the sentence Christopher Walken impersonation, dare I say, 
Mine comes up first. Oh, nice. a booyah. Just saying it happens. Chew on that, everyone <laughs> in the world That's that right. has Google. All right. I'm getting a call about the WSOP. <gasps> really? Isn't Are you hilarious? playing an event? Well, they want me to. Um, I say they, I mean the Russian mafia. Oh, that's good. Nope. <laughs> good people to have on your side. <laughs> yeah. Deep pockets. Play. <laughs> Anywho. Um, we're going to do uh, my questions now. Yeah. This is something we haven't done in a while, but uh, I thought it'd be fun to do. Uh, I'm going to ask you five kind of trivial questions about some of your past projects, and let's see how well you know stuff you've worked how on. How well you know you. Okay. That's right. Okay. Okay, here we go. Pollock trivia by Pollock? Pollock trivia for Pollock. All right. Uh, question one. Mm. You played Officer Quinn in the treasure hunting comedy flick Million Dollar Mystery. Why do you got to bring up the worst film? True or false? <laughs> the studio tied in the film with a real-life treasure hunting contest where the general public were given clues and had to guess where the treasure was hidden to win a million dollars. Where was the money hidden? Okay. Funny story. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think it's important that your first film be your worst film. Let's start there. Yeah, you knock it out. <laughs> Get it over with. You don't want to aspire to your worst film. Um, <laughs> million Dollar Mystery was a Dino De Laurentiis, uh, may he not rest in peace, uh, <laughs> opus where he basically ripped off It's a Mad, 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 yeah, Mad, Mad. Yeah, 100%. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, horribly. And in fact, instead of hiring famous comedians, fortunately for me and Rick Overton and some others, he hired unfamous comedians. So we all got to be in this movie. Um, the movie was, uh, the money, the premise was uh, there were three glad bags with a million dollars in each glad bag. Glad bag, of course, being a big sponsor. Right. Within the film, the, the characters are in search of these three giant glad bags with one million in each. They find two. One is not found. You, the audience, who've come to see the film, now get to fill out a card with your guess as to where the million dollars is, and the winner gets the million dollars. Well... Turns out, of the 14 people who saw the film, <laughs> 12 easily figured it out. Uh, the film was so awful, that it opened on an airplane. Uh, that is to say, it was playing on flights between San Francisco and Los Angeles, which means you had to have a round trip to see the whole film. <laughs> it's, only, it's only a 50-minute flight. That was my, uh, my, uh, my little uh, joke on it. But um, <laughs> it gets worse. Uh, Dino De Laurentiis goes bankrupt maybe one of 17 times in his life. Um, 12, literally 12 people guessed correctly. It was in the bridge of the nose of, now I have to remember, oh, uh, Mount Rushmore, I think. One of the uh, faces. No? Close. Different landmark, but close. Oh, different landmark. Uh, Washington, uh, Statue of Liberty. There you go. Yeah, bridge of the nose of Statue of Liberty. It's been so long. It's 1987, <laughs> I think. Um, so uh, the 14-year-old girl from Bakersfield whose name was picked out of a hat. You know, I always thought one person is going to get this, the first person who answers correctly wins. No, no. no. All the correct answers went into a hat, and this name was plucked like a lottery. And the 14-year-old girl in Bakersfield who won $1 million in cash became a creditor like the rest of us actors who were waiting for residual payments when when De Laurentiis went went bankrupt. So she never got the million dollars. That's hilarious. Oh and the movie it, itself made that is ridiculous. Made a total of $989,000. Did so it make that it much? didn't even recoup the million that they would have to award her, <laughs> right. uh, which oh. I thought was pretty hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> or perfect. <laughs> exactly. All right, question two. Well done. Uh, you played Brad Berman in the Childhood Friends reunion film Indian Summer, also starring Matt Craven, Diane Lane, Bill Paxton, Sam Raimi, and the great Alan Arkin. Mm-hmm. What was the name of the camp in the film? Tamaqua. 
There you go. I love it. It was that filmed movie. in Ontario at director Mike Bender's childhood camp. Uh, yes. And I like that you called him Mike Bender because his name is Mike Binder. And oh! That's weird because I always thought it was Mike Binder and then I got corrected once and I was like, oh, I guess it's You should Mike find Binder. that person and slash Kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I only uh, pointed it out uh, because I do like Mike's name being mispronounced. That's why I pointed it out. That's funny because I always <laughs> thought it was Binder and I seriously got like I call him about Mickey, it. in fact, because I like to mispronounce his first name. <laughs> um, uh, funny, interesting thing about Tamak was that he, Mike Binder, went to Tamak as a kid. The two guys who created the clothing company Roots yeah. uh, were portrayed by Vincent Spano and myself in the film. Um, but those guys were camp counselors to Mike Binder when he was a kid going to camp Tamakwa. So he writes this movie, a love letter to his camp. You know, it's a reunion of, of adults, Diane Lane, Bill Paxton, a lot of great people. Yeah, great cast. Um, and he got to refurbish the entire camp from the budget of the film, so it would be pretty when he shot it. But he got to really do a makeover wow. on his childhood That's camp, great. like ridiculous. So then... We all arrive as a cast. You could, it was on an island, uh, Algonquin Park. It was like, I don't know, a shit ton of lakes and, and, and islands. And this one camp was on one of those islands. You had to take a boat to get to the camp. So they couldn't get trailers to the camp for the actors. Oh, no. But it, even better, our trailers were cabins. Because we arrived on the last day of camp, and then camp let out, and we took over the camp as the actors and the crew um, at the end of summer. But how about this? We arrive by boat, the only way you can, on the last day of camp. And on the, on the landing are the entire population of the kids who went to summer camp waiting for the actors from Hollywood to arrive in boats oh along with the writer-director who used to go to camp here when he was a kid. So the Beatles landed, basically, <laughs> for these kids. That's great. It was astonishing how thrilled these kids were. And then we, you know, we got off the boat. We gathered in the mess hall. They sang us a few of their mess hall songs. Oh, my gosh. And then they had this giant Q&A. And it was just the greatest starting of a job of all the films I've done. I don't know exactly how many films I've done. 62. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Tamako is your That's amazing. Nice short answer. Great. All right, question three. Mm. You play Larry Doyle in the Denzel Washington versus John Lithgow action thriller Ricochet. Uh, director Russell Mulcahy recreates the final fight scene from his film Highlander in the mm. prison cafeteria between Lithgow and what wrestler turned actor turned politician? Oh, well, when you say turned politician, I think that narrows the field considerably. It, does. <laughs> it really does. I believe he was the governor of Minnesota. Indeed. Mm. Whose name is currently escaping. My brain. Um, I would get it uh, given a few more moments, but I want your listeners to know I didn't have it at the ready. Uh, Jesse, yes. the body, Ventura. The body, indeed. The scene makes multiple visual references to Highland, to the Highlander scene with the sword play, the Foley effects, etc. My favorite part, if I may? Sure. Of He's the experience? So sure. Is it's a Joel Silver film, so no one dies of natural causes. Of course. Uh, I, in fact, am shot to death, spoiler alert. <laughs> Although I did tweet one of my uh, producers on the chat show. Um, wanted to put together a reel of my death scenes from films. And he only picked two or three. I think there are several more. One of which was my death scene uh, from Ricochet, this film you're discussing. And um, it's Joel Silver. So I, I'm shot to death by John Lithgow. So that means squib-wise, we're talking six in the front and four out the back. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you get blasted pretty good. Then. <laughs> so my experience of being squibbed, <laughs> definitely a chapter in the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you a sneak preview. Getting squibby with it. Yeah. So the stunt coordinator comes up to me and he says, all right, and we're going to squib you for this. Uh, have you ever been squibbed before? And I say, no. And he goes, Jesus. Larry! <laughs> Larry! And then Larry comes over, I assume. He answered to the name. And uh, the stunt coordinator says, he's never been squibbed. And Larry goes, you've never been squibbed? I said, no, I've never been squibbed. And then Larry says, Steve! <laughs> there are eventually five of these guys standing around me. All shocked. <laughs> all, uh, all enjoying themselves as they demonstrate on my chest what the squib's going to feel like with a rabbit punch to my oh. chest. Oh. And they're arguing. And it takes me years to realize they were fucking with me. <laughs> uh, but at the time, you know, I'm curious and I'm a neophyte at being squibbed and shot to death. So they're all showing me how their squibs are going to feel. Uh, and so then finally the stunt coordinator says... Um, all right, so let me see what you're going to do when you take the shots, you know, because we got to we got to work on this. We got to choreograph this death. Let me see what you're going to do. And I said, "Well, sir, I've never actually been shot to death before. I've only seen it happen <laughs> in movies. So I'm guessing I'm going to do kind of this thing." And I just had him gesture backwards as if I'm taking shots. And he goes, "Don't fucking do that. It looks like you're dancing." <laughs> so I said, "Yes, sir. I won't dance." And he said, "All right." Um, so we've now demonstrated on your chest what the squibs are going to feel like in terms of impact. So, it's, you know, they're going to be padded. It's not going to be too bad. We're going to give you these earplugs. Uh, they're painted on the outside with the same uh, makeup color as your face, so no one will see them, but it's going to be real loud. So, you, so you, scary. You're going to need to have these in your ears. Also, in the scene, it's raining. Um, so be aware of that. It's going to be raining. Uh, you're, you're wired. The suit, the clothing is wired with these six, <gasps> six in the front and four out the back. They are, in fact, electrical charges that go off, that set the squib to explode. Um, so you have wires down your pant legs. Uh, just off camera is a guy with like a plunger from a cartoon <laughs> um, waiting to set off the dynamite in your chest. So... <laughs> So then, and there's like four of these, three of these suits wired only. You got three takes, they're telling me. You got three shots at this. Wow. Don't dance. (laughs) All right? So then he says, um, also, the squibs don't look down. When they go off, you want to make sure you're looking up. And hold your hands out a little bit. Don't hold your hands too close to your side. So these are all things I have to memorize while I look natural while being shot to death. Keep keep my arms out. Don't look down. Don't dance. And head up. Now... John Lithgow was, in fact, shooting me from the second-story uh, fire escape. So it's easy to look up once the first shot goes off because I'm going to look to where the shots are coming from. So he says, okay, you got three shots, three takes at this. Let's go. So they wire me up and um, the, uh, turn on the rain machines. Now the rain machines begin and it starts raining. Torrential downpour, of course. Joe Silver, thank you. <laughs> And uh, the first shot goes off. Now, I have to know not to look down when the first shot goes off, even though I have nothing, no reason uh, as an actor to look up. Right. I'm looking straight ahead in, in conversation, I think, or down the alley. I don't remember why. I think I, down the alley, like Denzel, alley. like, yells right. to you. and then, Right. Yeah. So I'm looking straight ahead, which is not down, thankfully. The first <laughs> shot goes off, and I look up, and the next shots come in pretty quick succession. Here's what is happening on the inside of my brain. Uh, can't hear because of the <laughs> earplugs. Can't feel because the squibs are actually padded so well 
that I don't feel any of them go Oh, off. my gosh. Now, also can't see because I look up and the rain is in my eyes. Oh. Can't look, can't see, can't feel. <laughs> I am, don't dance, don't dance. Don't dance. <laughs> I am Helen Keller trying not to dance <laughs> as I'm shot to death and then have to know when to die when they fall because I don't get to see them go off and I can't feel them or see them or oh hear them. Oh, my gosh. They use the first take, I'm happy to say. In the Whoa. Film. Oh, good. Yeah. You go, boys. Nice. Got very lucky. Cool. Also, probably because I didn't know what was coming and didn't know what was going to happen, so it all right. looked kind of real. You look like you were really reaction. dying right now. I really was afraid. <laughs> <laughs> all right, question four. You played glass-eyed city employee Jerry Siegel in Wayne's World 2. <laughs> Wayne is attempting to get permits so he can hold a concert that Jim Morrison told him to organize in a dream. Yes. What was the name of the concert, and what does Wayne promise he'll dot? He'll dot the lowest case J. Um, yep. I could pick the name of the concert from a three-name... Uh, multiple choice. Poop stuck, dick stuck, or Wayne stuck. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Poop stuck, stuck, of course. <laughs> of course. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Try to throw me with that, that Wayne stock. hilarious to me. Uh, and question five. Mm. You played President Walter Emerson in the political drama Deterrence. My uh, favorite performance of myself, if I may, and nine people saw it, unfortunately, because Paramount Classics did nothing to promote it. But uh, I saw it because I like Rod Lurie. Yeah, there you go. it was his first film. He went on to do The Contender, which is a brilliant which film. Which is great. Yeah. Joan Allen, Jeff Bridges, Gary Oldman. But uh, Deterrence was the first. Your question, sir? The code on the nuclear suitcase is zero eight zero six one nine four five. Is it? Why is this number significant? Say the number again. Zero eight zero six one nine four five. Hiroshima. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for August 6, 1945. That was really good. That was a total guess. Didn't know it from, from the filming. No one pointed it out. Questions never been asked. Total guess. Wow. Yeah. I totally went like that SNL Shatner sketch. Uh, what was the yeah, code? <laughs> you, uh, where the name of the book, book came from. You from people, that sketch, right? Get a life. Yeah. And the right. turning point in his career, that sketch. I'm sure. Prior yeah. to that, he was just a pompous ass. Uh, and he did that sketch on SNL. And people went, holy shit, he's in on the joke. He gets it. Right. Yeah. Done. And his career made the right turn. Well, you you were uh, you did well on this. You aced it. Uh, other than Except the poop stuff, yeah. 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 yeah, which you needed help with, but you got it eventually. Yeah. my my uh, fiance would have got all these right. Yeah, she's the trivia queen. On you? Well, on all things of pop. Oh, culture. that's not awesome. so much on me. Uh, she should study that. Well. I think well. she did, and then it became uncool. <laughs> <laughs> then it got If weird. I weren't here, she would have all these answers. Are now I have five questions yeah. for you. Okay. But mine are go. better than Cole's. I'll say. <laughs> Duh. Oops, have you ever met guys. an Olsen twin? <laughs> no. What the hell? I know. I had you have Dave met Qu- everyone in the whole freaking world. Also, to that point, I don't know why Kevin Bacon needs six degrees that pussy. Yeah, seriously. Yes, seriously. I can get anywhere in three degrees. In yeah. fact... How if fast any can you of get you, twins? if any of you want to challenge me, well, too fast because Dave Couillet. Oh yeah. Although we didn't work together, so it has to be a work together scenario. Um, but um, no, no, we've worked together. We we did. He was on my chat show, so that's technically working together. But uh, um, I, I've had people challenge me, like uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin, and I, was, and I was able to get there in, in less than three degrees. Oh, I don't my understand gosh. why uh, uh, Kevin Bacon. Needs yeah, why six. did he get picked? I think because people like bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In general, uh, the, the food stuff. Yeah, happened pretty quick though, because it was. Didn't he work with Sophia Loren and Hello, and then that goes right to Grumpy Old Men. Nicely done, sir. Two, wow. two degrees. It's actually one handshake. 
the way the go. game works is that Sophia could introduce us. Oh, wow. Oh, there you go. So I'm one handshake with me. Oh, my God. Next. Okay. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have... Did one? I answer your question? You did. You've never met them, and I'm really oh, upset about it. sorry. Um, <laughs> I thought for sure, for sure. I banged one of them. Oh, that counts. Yeah, we never met. Oh, <laughs> she had a sack on her head, <laughs> and I was high on something. Um, George Michael said, put it in this hole. <laughs> what? <laughs> Next thing I know. Um, We're at a park. And drinking a cup full of pie. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. If you would <laughs> nice. you rather have one leg mm. or mm. have two absurdly thick legs, like bizarrely thick, massive like the, legs, like the artists who paints those bizarrely fat yes, people. Yes, you got a bottom half like that, but with those big, huge bottom, like tree trunk legs. I mean, people would see you and go, "What happened to that?" Mm. You can run a four minute mile with those. Or you have one leg and it's I can run a four minute mile with those giant legs? Yep. What are you talking about? Yep. It's crazy. Huh. It's Couldn't witchcraft. I get a prosthetic leg for nope. the one legged scenario? No. It's you could get a peg. You could get a peg. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is do you want crazy giant fat legs? You can run a four, mi- four a minute mile, or do you want to be a pirate? <laughs> You can be like a chunky prefontaine, mm-hmm. <laughs> or <laughs> too much booty in the trunk. Modern day pirate, not just any chunky prefontaine. <laughs> Here comes the chunky prefontaine. Hey-oh. I'm gonna go. Gunk, gunk, I'm gunk, gonna gunk. go uh, pirate Pollock. Yeah, yep, I would too for sure. Um, if you could trade one, strictly movie. out of vanity, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as exciting as it would be to run a four minute mile of giant fat legs, you know, I, I don't I still, want I still, giant I, fat I, legs. I'm much more interesting as a person with a peg leg. That's true. <laughs> yep. If you could trade one movie you've done to be in any movie, what would you? What would the trade out be? Wow, I think you might know one half of this. I uh, know. Well, if there's a tra- movie with three could, glad bags. If, yeah, if you could trade any movie, is that you? You you should to make. Forgive me for critiquing the oh, question, great. but but if you had given me a, a real a, nitpick, a, a, a harder a what if, as in. Yeah. You pick one of my favorites. I know. Yeah, I got to forfeit is, that. Even this felt mean spirited a little bit because I was like, "Oh, I don't want him to think I don't want him to have done one of his things." Oh no, no. First of all, when I said I'd done sixty-two movies, and I don't know the exact number sixty-four. <laughs> <laughs> um, my batting average is probably less than three hundred, which means there's a lot of shit in there. In order to have a career, that's what happens. Yeah. You you sign on because the script is great, or in the case of Joanna Man, they had Will Smith attached, and then he didn't do it. Um, and you end up and it was a, Juana Man. Hello. <laughs> you end up doing a lot of films that are bad. Yeah. I mean, you can't point to an actor who's had a so-called career right. and point to a flawless record. So there's a lot of shit in my uh, filmography. So there's a bunch of stuff I'd easily give away, and you shouldn't feel bad for, for suggesting there's some shit in there. But usual it, but suspects. It, now, if you said you have to give up usual suspects. Oh, no, suspects, I mean that one's the bad one. It's the worst one. Yeah. We, I'm a we big Juana Man fan, so... <laughs> we asked a similar question to Eddie Deason, who was like, he's a huge fan of the Beatles. We said, if you had to give up being in Greece to like spend a day with the, all four Beatles, would you do it? Well, the answer is yes. I would definitely do it. I would definitely do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yes. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> he actually said no. He said, like, you know, Greece has been so good to me. You know, it's the best thing I've done. And, you know, wow. I, just, I, I had the most fun. I, I don't think I'd give that up. To, I mean, what I love the Beatles. What movie did he and I do? Uh, you million dollar did? mystery. Correct. <gasps> Correct. Continue. Wow. Small Jews for four hundred. The answer is. <laughs> All right. So if you were to give up, let's oh, say, million yeah. dollar mystery or one of those movies, that well, it's easy to give up one of those. That's, um, that's what I was saying. Okay, what, you what have to give up Usual in? Suspects. Yeah, see that now becomes really to be in a, any movie now ever. becomes a true conundrum mm-hmm. because Usual Suspects is the kind of street cred that I don't know that I can replace. 
honestly. Yeah. Because it was the perfect lightning in a bottle yep. in the sense that nobody was really famous from the movie. Everyone's doing their best work. In fact, if you know, the script that won the Academy Award was turned down by 28 financiers that said, mm. this is no, no, no way we're doing it. All that stuff. Uh, the fact that it played internationally so well. In fact, it played in the same theater in Paris, I found out, for 92 weeks. That's what? almost two years in the That's same crazy. theater. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. In Paris, you think they've got other things to do. Um, so that sort of international street cred, I don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not at all suggesting that there aren't other films and other roles that I could do that could replace that easily, but they don't come to mind at this moment. Um, but to end this on a potentially funny note, if you need any further proof that the film is lightning in a bottle, you needn't look any further than the fact that Steve Baldwin is really good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Got on. Thank you. Uh, now I'm stealing a bit from your show. All right. Three tweets. Mm. Um, and you're going to play against Cole. Okay. Oh, who I'm tweeted? Gonna, yeah. Who tweeted? Um, also created by my fiance Jamie. Yeah. She's good. She created. Uh, who tweeted? And the Larry King game. She created them really? both. Really? Yep. 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 Go, girl. Mm-hmm. I thought we'd have so much fun together. You guys should talk to me. <laughs> You met her. You met her in Sketch Fest. She was with me. Oh, I should kiss her next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) We do do need to talk about uh, bringing the chat show to Sketch Fest uh, next time around, by the way. Done. By the way. I I can't have any say, but I think Cole will say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Since I run it, I think I've got some pull. You might know the guy. Please talk to someone about that. (laughs) Okay. These are going to be... I'm reading you three tweets. Mm-hmm. You and Cole have to guess. Do not look at your paper, Cole. Okay. Cole I'm has to I've not read, no, not read these. Like in uh, Who Tweeted, yeah. we tell the contestants ahead I'm of time. I'm telling you guys okay. your three options Great. as humans. All right. Ready? Yes. Okay. And Is it? Is it Brie Olson? Mm. Are you familiar? Cher? The Cher? Brie Olson, who was with... Uh, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen for a little yep. while. Okay. Porno, or, porno actress. Mm-hmm. Cher. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Coco. Wife of Ice T. Oh, who I've also met, who I work with <gasps> Ice T in uh, Ricochet. Correct. Continue. Wait, have you met Coco? I met Coco in the strangest fucking gig of my life. He was like, put it in Again, this. Again, I know, <laughs> I know. Again, this is one of those. It's got to go in the book things because I've never told the story. Uh, Richard Branson has an island. I don't know if you knew already, this. Already, this is a really already good great. story. <laughs> it's, already, it's, already, it's already a James it's already Bond film. There, yeah. <laughs> And that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so I get I get a private gig. You know, you do these corporate gigs, these private gigs. Yeah, they give you like a hundred grand to jump on a plane and go do an yeah. hour show. I don't get a hundred grand, but some people do. Um, but private gigs always pay great. Is your point? And they're and often because they pay so well, they're the worst experiences ever. Like it'll be twenty people in a restaurant for some guy's sixtieth who's got too much money, and wouldn't it be great to bring in somebody famous to perform? Oh my god! In the restaurant's private dining room, and now you're doing stand up in front of twenty people, which is never a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Because there's twenty people going. Ah. Ooh. <laughs> so in this case, a Russian. Don't know for certain, but felt like mobster. <laughs> uh, it was never explained. Hearing and in fact, it's one of those things, you know what, Kevin, you, you're probably better off not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, plausible deniability, you want to be able to not know <laughs> where this guy got his money. Just don't ask questions. But don't he's think rented about it. Richard Branson's Island. Oh, he's my bringing gosh. an iced tea and his band to perform live. And uh, you've been asked to be comic relief during the weekend. What are you talking about? During the, what do you mean? I do a show. No, no. 
They're going to have um, various things on the island, like a volleyball competition. So you'll like uh, you'll you'll host that. <laughs> oh my god! You'll be gosh. the announcer for the volleyball competition. How could you say no? And uh, you also have there'll be a relay thing you'll need to do. <laughs> so so oh god, I can just yeah. picture this. So I get funny man in here. We play volleyball now. <laughs> yeah. Next joke. That's it. Oh That's it. my god! Totally dance for me now. <laughs> <laughs> and not just him, me, Ice T. But uh, probably twenty uh, Playboy models. Oh my gosh! Who he up for grabs? Who he owns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can't look at any of them or talk to them. Oh my gosh! Uh huh. Uh-huh. So maybe the weirdest gig in history. But Ice T is like this this touchstone of reality. Who's there? So imagine that Ice T is my touchstone <laughs> to reality. That might be the name Where of the chapter. Where are you? <laughs> and uh, that's how I met Coco because he brought her. That That's ass is crazy. out of control, right? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Here are the tweets, guys. All right, ready? here we go. So, uh, uh, Brie Olson. Cher and Coco. Got it. Gotcha. I wish I would have been born an Amish. A simple life. It's too late to turn back now. I started this crazy life. Now I got to carry through. Kevin Brie Olson. Yeah, I'll go with Brie on that. That sounds like Brie. Okay. I'm going to read all three. And then and tell then, us. Yeah. Because okay. right. I feel like that'll up the ante on sure, the history. Sure. Okay, I'm doing the Snoopy dance. Thanks for the love, lovelies. Mr. Big looking at me like, Jesus, the bitch has finally lost it. Kevin Coco. Uh, I'll go share. Okay. I have my nails done today. I love my toes. I think Bubblicious Pink makes any toes lickable. So sexy. Such a hot summer color. See, that could be any one of the three. Coco. If we have to, well, you, you do one for each, right? Yeah. So then I got that process of elimination for me. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go, uh, Brie on that one. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys, Cole, I think you nailed it. Did I really? Born in Amish is Brie. Did okay, you I both, said Brie. We both got that. We okay. both got that. Okay, I'm doing the Snoopy dance. That's Cher. That was Cole. Cole and that. You and did then get that. I simply Coco went to differ with you on that. That's oh, okay. <laughs> right. you picked, I was like, oh, we can't pick the same thing. And then the toes were Coco. Yep. Wow. What a, and now here's your last question for me. Oh. Are you ready? Sure. This is a game called Kevin Blunder. Kevin what? Blender. Blunder. Blender. 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 Binder? Bender. <laughs> Kevin Bender. <laughs> What's a blender? Well, you have a blender, a human blender, and you're going to eat people. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, the game is you're going to pick, I'm going to list you um, four Kevins. Okay. And you're going to pick a trait from each of them to swap. So if you pick okay. his hair, he gets your hair. Okay. Oh, great. I'm, I'm, the hair is the first thing I'm going to give away, by the way. Kevin Smith. Hair. For yeah? sure. For sure. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. And it can also take, be an I'm emotional taking, quality or anything. I imagine it could. But in his case, <laughs> I will take the hairline. All right, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Spacey. Ooh. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> nope. In too many places. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um. This is a, a trait? It said? can be anything of them. Oh, well, then I'll take his two Oscars versus my none. <laughs> <laughs> Good swap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to be pissed. He's not going to be happy. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Uh-huh. Um, mm, a musical ability. I have none. Ooh. I have none. He has lots. Nice. Yeah. Good brothers. choice. Good call. And finally, Kevin Costner. Oh, wow. Um, now that's good hair. Was. Uh, golf game Ooh! yeah he's got a great one he's got a great one and I'm uh, attempting to restart 
Good choices. Well done. You would be youth. a super Kevin after this. Yeah, I mean, Greg you Caroline, are a super Kevin. Oscars, uh, musical ability, and a great golf game. Holy crap. What man. don't you, you got? Lucked out. Stop me. <laughs> <laughs> now give me Coco's ass and we're going somewhere. Good night. <laughs> Boom. You did such a good Kevin job. Kevin Blender. Yeah. Nice. It's a Kevin Blender. I like that. <laughs> we'll throw in a Kevin McHale so he can just get a basketball game out of it. Nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a Jew that could dribble to his left. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has been great having you on, Kevin. Say. Thanks for, for coming. Uh, your your chat show is at uh, kevinpollockschatshow.com. Uh, yes, all the archived episodes are there um, for your viewing pleasure, and then they're downloadable uh, on the iTunes. And uh, if you guys have not checked out his show, you should. The guest Amazing list is guess. off ridiculous. the chain, as they say. Damon Lindloff this Sunday. One of the uh, showrunners on Lost yeah, yeah. and writing the Star Trek sequel. That's crazy. And, yeah. you got the and a great, a great variety, people. which is yeah. what we try to do on ours, too. But, uh, I mean, I, I just wrote down some of the list of people you've had. Like, you know, a lot of places don't have Paul Dooley. You have yeah. Paul Dooley. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, Christopher Guest, Nathan Fillion, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Billy Bob Thornton, Martin Mull, J.K. Simmons, Glenn Hansard, and Marquetta Erglova this whole season. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Himself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just tons and tons of people. So check it out, com, and also on the iTunes. And soon to be on uh, the Hulu.com, the Sirius Radio. Oh, radio yeah. Well. yeah. We're getting licensed by big... Uh, Entities. That's awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Go, boy. Yeah. Woo. And uh, you're on Twitter, as yes. we've established, at Kevin Pollock, I believe. Yes, no C. Say in, something nice, he no might fuck you. No C in the last name. <laughs> Say something nice, I might fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, like, fuck you. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I Or <see>, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm glad we uh, talked that through. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, at PMC Podcast. I'm at Cole Stratton. I'm at Vanessa Raglan. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks for being here. Guys. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com. And follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>